A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Josh Brown, it's not Monday, it's Tuesday, because we're busy little bees. I know. And all sorts of little things going on. I'm so sorry, my friend. I was it's off right. yesterday, had a had a rare holiday, and I it was did. like, I'm missing the wind-up. I wish I could have done the wind-up. <laughs> but unfortunately, I went to my first ever hardcore festival at the yeah. weekend, and was paying the price for it afterwards, because it was the sweatiest <laughs> place on earth. And I think I came down with an acute sense of heat exhaustion, right. because I wasn't feeling good on the Sunday, I will tell you that. Some that things take went, two days to recover from. That's it. Oh, man, the older you get, the longer, you know, any kind of ailment, whether yeah. that's a hangover or whether that's a cold, takes it's to weird. get we, rid of. We were at a wedding on the weekend, and I promise this is a video game podcast. It the wind-up is usually about that stuff. We'll get back to it, but um, we were at a wedding on the weekend, and we started drinking so early that I feel like I had an entire night cycle before it got to the evening's half of the day, yeah. where we were having the wine, we were having the, the pints and stuff. Then there was a bit of a lull while they served some food and things, or they got ready to serve some food and things, and they took all the drinks away for a bit, and then we all just sort of like kind of sobered up a bit, and the headaches kicked in, yeah. and then they were like, well, the booze is back on. We're like, well, you can't, it doesn't work that way i've recovered now i'm I'm in the i'm in my brain is next to the next day this is always my issue man because again at at this festival you know i I started drinking quite early and then i saw a few bands and the bands were so sweaty and so tiring (laughs) that i I remember coming out with a band called drug church who were very good at the phenomenal band um and afterwards i was thinking is my day done (laughs) have i got a hangover already but then it was fine you know you get hydrated Mm -hmm. you you actually eat something and then it's okay you just have to stay hydrated anyway all this preamble (laughs) is to say that i just wanted to give someone a shout out because While I was at this festival called Outbreak in Manchester, Mm -hmm. um, I bumped into a listener of the podcast. And it was a very nice conversation, but I just wanted to give them a shout out now because by the time we had this conversation, I'd had a few pints. You were a bit gone. I was a bit gone. And I wanted to apologize, firstly, for... barely being able to string together sentences without thinking about them really hard. That's and fair. two, I just wanted to say that um, I always appreciate when anyone shouts out the podcast in particular yep. because I love doing these podcasts. It's my favorite thing of the week. Mm-hmm. Just know that other people like them is great. So I just wanted to say that I appreciate the people who kind of talked about that to us in real life. And also, I appreciate everyone who just listens and doesn't talk about that in real life because <laughs> it's cool that anyone listens to these at all. It yes. was one of those nice moments where I just thought, oh, that was that was nice. That was and a I good appreciated time. it. Because sometimes it just feels like I'm talking to you and then these get sent into the void and nobody <laughs> listens to them because I don't see the analytics or well, anything. Well, that was the so weird thing. That's kind of why I wanted to shout that out now yes. to finally say... I appreciate you all. Massive shout out to that particular individual and potentially Josh said some stuff. Maybe he told you to play Ori and you went, (laughs) which is the same interaction that I get week in, week out. But yeah, that's the whole thing with the analytics side of it. And I think I mentioned this and it was either on the UBP or the main podcast, but I looked at our heat map for where the listeners are. Massive shout out to our one listener in Cambodia. Because massive shout out to to Warcam. But at the same time, I will show you the analytics. We will pick a different country um, every time I look at the analytics because we did shout out someone in South Korea once as well. 
and um, we'll see. Point being, though, um, this is The Wind-Up, which is where we do the latest gaming news, the latest gaming discussions, whatever's on me and Josh Brown's mind, um, which is to say that there are games again, Josh Brown. so many games. So many games, and I need to share, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been playing, and then we're going to dovetail off into a whole conversation about Spectacle Fighters, Ninja Gaiden, Devil May Cry, and the way that those things have kind of panned out across the last 20-odd years, I would say, um, since um, setting those things in motion with the likes of Devil May Cry. But I want to start on uh, Neon White, the game that is sweeping the nation, the game that that is one of the most tightly designed first-person shooter speedrunner type things Scott, in quite some time. Isn't that just the speedrunner card game? Uh, well, the thing is, so this game seems to be getting a bit of a uh, reputation as being a, a card game, and there are cards in it, but that, they just represent your powers. Like, it's all about... Um, the, the setup is so good. It's all about... It's kind of like Suicide Squad, the idea that a whole bunch of sinners are trying to get into heaven, and then God's like, oh, sinner, are you? Well, I've got some demons that need taken care of. Um, here's what... Why don't you wear a mask that explodes if you do anything wrong and go kill the demons for me. And maybe if you do well enough in these time trials, I'll let you in. And so um, you play as Neon White. Um, Neons are just the name given to all the different um, people trying to get into heaven. And so like the whole game is um, sort of like one or like 5% relationship building where your character doesn't remember anything, but they're in heaven with like assumedly former friends or former partners um, who do seem to remember everything. Right. And so you're trying to get um, different unlocks, different gifts while you're out on the speedrunning levels to give to them when you're back at base to get more information as to what happened before you went to heaven and flesh out the story side of things. The real meat and potatoes of it though, the 95% of it is this just perfect playing first person shooter. Well, it's like a first person platformer, action platformer, uh, speedrunner, where you're doing really tight bite-sized levels um, in as fast a time as you can to get as much experience as you can. And there are like friends list and global leaderboards to compare it to. Um, but you're just trying to get your um, your neon rank high enough to be, to be let into heaven essentially. Um, but it's just the way that it plays. It's so pristine. Right. And the way that they roll everything out, like your first time on a level, you'll go from the beginning, maybe kill a few demons, which activates the finish um, the, the finish line or whatever, and you bank that, and it's like 15 seconds. Every level is really, really tight. And then if you do well enough in that initial um, you know amount of time that it took you to do stuff, it'll be like, oh, hey, by the way, there was actually a shortcut here that you missed. So actually, if you want to get gold, you can take that. And then um, the gifts, like I mentioned before, they'll be in some even more inaccessible area. But if you want to get them, you don't need to worry about time because just getting to them banks that run. Hmm. So you're, it's like one part speedrunner and it's like really perfectly playing and everything. Um, or you can um, sort of appreciate the level design by exploring and finding the gifts. Um, and the game will show you where these things are as you get better with time. You're unlocking hints by getting better times. The card side of it um, is you are um, different characters that you meet are represented in game as cards. And so um, when you pick something up, like you pick up a handgun, you can fire it with the right trigger or you can burn it to, um, to hop in midair. And so you're choosing whether to burn your ammo count right. or um, use them. And so um, each card has dual purpose. It's a firearm and it's an ability. Um, and you lose it every time you use the ability. So you want to make sure your shots land properly, take out the demons, and then burn the card at the last minute to use an air dash or a charge forward or a grenade or something um, or whatever. And also, um, physics-wise, the um, explosions, the grenades that you throw out can boost you even higher. So it's all about chaining the cards together, burning them at the right time, um, getting more cards by killing more demons and rolling it all together into like a pristine little 10-second thing yeah. and then going to the next level again. This uh, it's the best so thing. much better than what I was led to believe that so this good. game was, uh, which is, uh, this is why I love this podcast. Love, to, <laughs> love getting recommendations for you, my friend. Love everyone. Because I think this game kind of, it's funny, this game fits into a lot of the stuff we have been playing recently, mm. which uh, is, for the most part, these incredibly tight, incredibly kinetic action games, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to become more apparent when we get further into this pod. But mm -hmm. that sounds like 
like an incredibly tantalizing experience. How can I play this? Where is it? <laughs> How much is it? It is on Nintendo Switch. Um, and funnily enough, it runs very, very well on Switch. If you hit the instant restart button, because that's always the thing with these kind of games, like Super Meat Boy type stuff, you want to hit a button and go again when Definitely. you realize that you've not cut a corner or something. Um, on Switch, that, that load is a few seconds. Um, it's also on Steam Deck slash Steam in general. So that restart is way faster on the PC side of things. But the Switch version is more than competent. Like super, it's like 60 FPS. It runs really, really well. Um, it looks gorgeous. I love the art style. Um, yeah. I don't think I have ever played a first-person shooter on my Switch. Oh, my God. How do they pl- even play? I've just realized <laughs> this. I've only ever played third-person games. Okay. I, um, I didn't play, I didn't bother buying the likes of Doom or Wolfenstein on Switch because I knew that wouldn't run very well comparatively to, like, PS5 or whatever. But I do have, and I'm forgetting the name of it now, Rico, um, which is a, uh, again, it's like a small arcade game where you're playing as, like, a SWAT team, like, busting down, like, different rooms. Everything's randomly generated, and it's all about nailing headshots and going room to room. Um, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. Leon White plays very, very well. Um, it just depends, I guess, on controller feel or something like that. Like yeah. Some people don't like the analog sticks on the Switch um, for those kind of things, but you can tweak all the sensitivities, all the different button, button allocations and everything in Neon to make it fit whatever you want. There's only really like three controls. Like You're moving, you're aiming, you're shooting, and you have your burn button, like burn the card that you just picked up. Um, everything else is just, you just go. Like The whole point of it is simplicity and learning the levels inside out. Um, and so, yeah, that thing, um, you know, it's made by Ben Esposito, who did uh, Donut County. So it's like, it's a hell of a step up from um, from Donut County. But I think it's very, like, funnily written. I think it's very tight. Like, I love the characters so far. Um, and I like the whole the whole dynamic of you being amnesiac and sort of trying to figure out what happened beforehand if yeah. you want to enjoy the story stuff. But I like the idea of going on a bunch of runs, getting a bunch of gifts, nailing a bunch of times and progressing the main, that, that side of things. And then knowing that when you get back to the hub world in heaven or whatever, um, you have gifts to give to characters and get more dialogue. And you do side missions from them for them as well, right. which are like tighter time trials where um, a character who gives you um, an air dash is like, okay, maybe, can you can you chain 30 of these together and stay in the air the whole time and get to the other finish line? Um, and then you get more dialogue. And it's like, it just works. It's very intelligently designed. It's a very specific focused game. Um, and I, I love it. Like, I think it's just so cool. Like, I mean, I want to get a t-shirt territory for it. It's so. early days, but mm. how are we thinking when it comes to Game of the Year rankings? I Is regret it a contender? making Game of the Year as, <laughs> uh, as early as we did. I mean, obviously, you've got to hit the half mark of the year, which is yeah. where we are at. But I uh, didn't touch Neon White until um, a couple of days after launch because I, lo- I like the artwork for it. Um, but again, a bit like you, and I love card games, but a bit like you, I, I did, wasn't sure exactly what it was. And it's only been when I looked at a bit of gameplay footage, shout out to Jeff Gersman. I was watching him play it and I was like, this is brilliant. Like this is, I need to gain on this. Um, and then dove on and I think it's massively recommendable. You asked about the price before. I yes. believe it is 15 English pounds, but I could be wrong. That sounds um, very, even more tantalizing. Let's say maybe 15, 20. Okay. Um, it's something like that because yeah, I just, that's my, that's my shout out of the week. Oh man. I'm, Neon White. I mean, one. I'll sounds... give it to you on our lunch break, my friend. Please do. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, I'll be watching Better Call Saul. I think. You might be, you might be watching I the think... Nintendo thing that's at 2 p.m. as well. Uh, you'll be watching. I that. will be there. I'll yeah. be on Better Call Saul. Or maybe even playing Neon White. Maybe. What I was going to ask is, that sounds incredibly tight. Mm. What a recommendation. You'll I love definitely it. I'm excited to play that, especially coming off the games that I've been playing. Mm-hmm. However, as a speedrunning game, as a time trial mm. style game, is it better than Doritos Crash Course? <laughs> is is anything better than Doritos Crash Course? The answer is no. There Thank is you. You've set me up perfectly there because that is the answer. <laughs> Nothing is better than Doritos Crash Course. It's very true. And also, I will also say that I'm not someone who cares about time trials in games. The last one that I got involved with was the Astro Boy stuff, Astro Bot stuff, yes. um, which came with the PS5. And I do like that thing. Massive shout out to Ash Millman who destroyed us on Astro Bot. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've got the first place thing. And then she shaved like 20 seconds off. And I was like, what have you, how have you done this? That's why I stopped playing that game. I saw you 
you two on the leaderboard, and I thought ah, this will take over my life. I was like DM, and I go, yeah. "How have you done that?" And she was just lol. And I was like, "Yeah, just you just do it." Like, okay, exploits. She yeah. works for PlayStation. She's, she's gonna have the exploits. She's got the inside track. Um, but yeah, Neon White gave me that kind of vibe where it is fun going going up against all your friends, try and get a bunch of people to buy. This is this is secretly why I'm getting you into it. So I've got okay. someone to directly compete with. Thank you. But also there is the global leaderboard stuff. Um, but yeah, massive shout out to Neon White. I think that thing is one of the tightest games of the year, and I wouldn't be surprised if it does win awards later this year. It's just so pristine um, and so very well done. Um, we can move on, though, to um, our whole conversation about Spectacle Fighters because the PlayStation Plus Premium service launched uh, last week, yes. recently, um, yes, and we yes, all yes. bought into this. Now, me and you and James Dallas are going to do a big old deep dive on the PlayStation Plus service on the main podcast. That'll be on Wednesday. Um, because all three of us have been um, playing through it or using the service, and we have various different thoughts on how that thing has come together. Um, but to focus on something that it gave you access to, um, it was Ninja Gaiden. And I know that you played Ninja Gaiden initially on Game Pass and stuff. Yes. So overall, you've been playing a lot of Ninja Gaiden. So much Ninja Gaiden. So much Ninja Gaiden. And I thought that we would do, um, or you thought we would do, an overall conversation on Spectacle Fighters because they are one of the best genres in gaming and no one ever talks about them. Well, this is it because I wanted to talk about it because I liked some Spectacle Fighters mm. from back in the day. I I played Ninja Gaiden 2 to death. It's mm -hmm. why I wanted to finally jump in and do this collection. Yeah. You know, I dabbled in God of War. I played Devil May Cry 4. Mm -hmm. That was about the extent of my experience <laughs> with that genre. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really get around to playing these games until incredibly late, like this year, mm. last year, the year before. But you did that run where you played all the DMCs in a row. Totally. Yeah. That's like, that was exactly what kicked it off. I played through all of the DMC games. I played through all of the God of War games. And mm. now, finally, I was able to play all of the Ninja Gaiden games. And that's to say that I wish I gave these the time of day when I was younger because I was so reductive about yes. it. I distinctly remember watching reviews for, I think, Devil May Cry 4 and buying it anyway. Right. And seeing a lot of criticisms that the gameplay just boiled down to kill these enemies in this room and move on <laughs> to the next room and kill those enemies. Right. And I'm like, that is true, but that is awesome. And that <laughs> is so good. And the depth and the complexity to the mechanics in all of those games that I just mentioned, all of those franchises mm -hmm. are so satisfying. Uh, and I think I just miss that from games these days that just kind of have like a streamlined approach to their mechanics. It's mm -hmm. not bogged down with kind of superfluous uh, systems or features. It's just kill these guys in this room. In a cool way. In a cool way and improvise and learn the combos and, you know, trade combos off and mess around with these weapons. It was so enjoyable to do those other franchises. Mm. In Ninja Gaiden, for me, and this is why I want to talk to you about it, because Ninja <laughs> Gaiden was always the franchise that I gravitated towards. I think if you grow up, you're either a DMC person, you're a God of War person, and you're right. a Ninja Gaiden person. And for me, it was always Ninja Gaiden. And it I'm, was always all of them. But right, like, okay. But yeah, but yeah. I'm sure... And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I know you love Dante. I, I know do. you love DMC. I do a lot. Was that your main? Was that like the world that got you in? Well, I remember one of the things for me was back in, it would have been 2002 or three, whenever the first God of War came out and everyone was freaking out over God of War. And it's a great game, especially the first one. Um, and shout out to the entire franchise, really, rather than Ascension. But that whole thing, everyone was like, oh my God, look at this new genre. Oh my God, the way that it plays, we've never seen this. And I was just there going, Devil May Cry is just... He did it. Yeah. He did it years ago. Um, and it's not that DMC didn't take off, but I feel that DMC 2 was so crap that it just buried that franchise for a bit. And then it wasn't until DMC 3 came back with a younger Dante and way more stylish moves and stuff that like that I love in games, like showing off in a game. Let me kick off the walls. Let me ride. Yes. Let me land on an enemy and surf them along the street while I twin pistol shoot a guy on the sidewalk or whatever. That was when DMC 3 and DMC overall really came into its own, uh, where the gameplay suddenly matched the panache and the style of Dante himself. 
And then four was like that weird sidestep because it was uh, Nero instead, which is still a great character, but still. And then they took a massive hiatus and whatever. And then five's the best playing one. And um, but then that wasn't nominated for any Game of the Year awards, no. Keely, and it should have been. <laughs> and so um, yeah, I always adored DMC and feel like it's a lot of people cite it as one of the you know the pillars of the spectacle fighter genre or the that sort of that that's the whole thing. We call them spectacle fighters because they don't really have a specific you know first person shooters platformers. The yeah. nearest thing is spectacle fighter, especially when you Google it. Um, but they do, I don't feel like it's caught on as much. I don't feel like people talk about it. It feels like they, they blur the lines quite a lot between the different entries in this genre. But totally. DMC should be, is way up there. Yeah, 100. I mean, it, I think it's interesting playing all of these games back to back, like how much they change and how much it's quite clear that some of the publishers wanted them to have a broader appeal and bring in extra systems. Mm. Whereas the thing that makes them so good is the simplicity. It's the yeah. straightforwardness of it. Um, and DMC is so good for that because you see DMC1 kind of like be this spin-off from Resident Evil initially so it's kind yep. of got a lot of the jank uh, <laughs> that the original Resident Evil games had and like you said DMC2 was completely different and mm. completely completely shot the bed in a lot of ways and then DMC3 <laughs> is a perfect game yes. DMC4 is pretty good the DMC remake is alright and the DMC5 is like a I real return to form will say that uh, I don't know if you've played DMC3 on Switch no but the Switch re-release has DMC5's weapon switching stuff Ooh. it's perfect DMC3 on Switch it's the release from either last year or the year before um, it's called the Definitive Edition or Special Edition or whatever it is um, they made the controls DMC5 um, which is to say I should, should say if you're not a DMC Devil May Cry fan um, in the old games you would always pick your loadout before each mission so you're picking your weapons you're picking your style um especially in dmc3 the initial one um and in dmc5 they loosened all that stuff up which is one of the best things about that game was there's playing as dante all of a sudden you can be the trickster which lets you sort of evade stuff and run up the walls and backflip off and whatever or you can be um like defense heavy or whatever you can sort of specialize in these different ways and in um dmc5 they let you switch between them all on the fly that's what they brought into dmc3 right so if you already liked dmc3's feel and i did and i really really did um yeah i love dmc3 on the switch because it's like all the weapons your entire like inventory is on one set of the triggers um and your uh, different styles are all on the other ones so like if you yeah like if you haven't played three on switch it's not a new game right. but it does feel demonstrably you're way more capable as dante that is fascinating. just worth saying because so many people just go ah it's just dmc3 on switch right and it is but it's so much better and then stupidly they didn't put that version on ps5 or anything well else. thank you for giving me a good segue because mm. the versions of ninja gaiden uh, are a mixed bag on game pass and on playstation plus now mm -hmm. because for the first two games they are the sigma versions which were the playstation versions Yes. that are, are practically different games from the originals. You know, like They remix a lot of the enemy placements. They mm. change around some of the bosses. Uh, it's a lot easier in the case of the second game. They give you extra weapons, all of that stuff, mm -hmm. which is to say that if you were going to play these games, I would actually recommend playing the originals uh, mm. on backwards compatibility on the Xbox when it comes to the first two. But Ninja Gaiden 3 was essentially the, the Devil May Cry 2 of yes. that franchise. You know That was hated. That thing killed the IP. It completely killed mm. it because you can see, again, like the publisher being like, make this more marketable get rid of the silly stuff from 2 mm -hmm. we're going to have uh, Ryu fighting just soldiers and it's going to be like a military game and you're going oh, to tell you what, have I, story I, now I do like playing as a ninja sh sh killing soldiers well, give me that mm, this is what I kind of want to get into mm. uh, but I just want to yeah, just quickly go back to that yes. because the version on uh, Game Pass and PlayStation Plus or whatever is the Razor's Edge edition which yes. was initially the Wii U version that was eventually ported but that makes so many changes and it's actually a good game like the combat is actually there's, there's 
this is a this really, is a reach. really good. They changed so much, man. I'm telling Ooh. you, compared to the uh, the vanilla version of that title. Mm. And yeah, it's not doesn't hold a candle to the other two, but it's a, just a, a straightforward, compelling action game. I would say don't skip it because it okay. has it's it's quick, it's short, but it has you know still a lot of things going for it. If you play the Razor's Edge version, just don't play the original. Because they um, Ninja Theory, I always got their, t- their name wrong. It's Team Ninja. Team Ninja. Ninja yeah. Theory, the other guys. Um, team Ninja. They put out the the Ninja Collection or whatever it's called last year, I think, where yes. it's like the, it's the three games as best as they could be in theory. Does, is that the best version of Ninja Gaiden 3? Or are we talking about a separate, standalone version of Ninja Gaiden 3 that is the Razor's Edge one that isn't in the actual bundle thing? No, this is in the bundle. So okay, good. the Razor's Edge version <laughs> is in the, I think it's the Master Collection, it's called. That's it, the one, yeah. That's the best version of the game. Unfortunately, the other two versions of Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2 are, in my opinion, mm. lesser versions than the original. Right, so okay. I, would, I would check those out in their original forms. And going back to what you said about just kind of like annihilating dudes, <laughs> this is why Ninja Gaiden is my favorite a series in this genre because when I'm playing Devil May Cry it's it has way more depth to mm. it than Ninja Gaiden does I will give you that and the graphics are oftentimes flashier but sometimes it kind of feels like I'm just beating around a bunch of scarecrows whereas playing Ninja Gaiden 2 especially there is so much blood there is so much <laughs> viscera you are doing unfathomable things to these bodies in a way that you just like don't do in other games right. of its time and to just kind of like tear through all of these enemies it's such a insane kind of power trip, mm. and it's it's it has such insane like tactile uh, responsiveness mm-hmm. in the visual feedback that that's what sets it apart. And it might feel a little juvenile to say, "Well, it's gorier, so I it's like better." I like the blood. I like seeing his arm come off. Oh, he's got an arm off. You know all that <laughs> stuff. But it does add to kind of the, the feedback you're getting. Well, I think. The thing with Ninja Gaiden was, uh, and it's maintained its like franchise reputation, is that it's too hard. Like a lot of people go, "Oh, Ninja Gaiden, it's too hard. It's not. You know, I'm not going to get through." It. And I've not finished any of them, but I've played a lot of Ninja Gaiden one and two, and then I played the beginning of Ninja Gaiden three, and I just swore it off. Um, I know that like that's that Razor's Edge thing rang a bell when you said that it, it's like it is so much different. I was, I remember seeing some article somewhere of like, "Hey, by the way, guys, Ninja Gaiden three is all right again," and I was like, "Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and it's, I'm not ever going to get to that." Um, but Gaiden one and two, their reputation, like I said, is, is is so like it's so brutally tough um, and those enemies will jump in on you they will interrupt your combos if you're not in the right place at the right time and I feel like but it, it kind of does contribute to that overall feeling of tightness to it like I like that move that you can do where you um, hold Y or triangle or whatever and you charge up and it, you absorb the souls of whatever enemies you've beaten at that minute so you're sort of like hack slash kick swipe whatever stop absorb everything and then tear through the last guy in one last yes. like glorious uh, thing and you can do all these other really cool moves like jumping off dudes next when you sort of try and evade someone or whatever um, how does the game's difficulty sit in a world that is post all the souls and the Sekiro and the Bloodborne and the Elden Ring stuff one especially is still incredibly difficult mm. however um, if you have played Team Ninja's Neo games yes. it's actually much more like those titles okay. than it is in even Ninja Gaiden 2 because it's like you said, you know, the first one is so much more methodical mm. and you're, you need to understand the enemy patterns. You need mm-hmm. to block way more than you do in other games. You need to learn how to parry in some cases. Mm. And it is that kind of sense of clearing out rooms in the most methodical way possible. You're not just kind of mashing buttons. Although right. You can do that, but you might die, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not even necessarily about learning combos. It's about learning the enemies. It's about learning the environment. Mm-hmm. And that does show through in the kind of Souls games and the kind of uh, Neo games especially. 
And for me, I never played, I never completed the first game when I was younger because right. it was way too hard. But I think the thing about like stuff like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Elden Ring is that it, it retroactively teaches you how to play those yeah, older games. Totally. And you go back to them with like these uh, crude skills and this crude knowledge. And you're like, <laughs> okay, I feel more confident this time around. But it is interesting going back to the first one, especially. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think it came out in 2004, but it has a lot of the stuff that was in the original Devil May Cry. You know, it's got Mm. like locked doors and it's got more explorable areas to look for secrets and the whole... That's because DMC laid out how to do it. It did. And everyone forgot it. It totally did. In like the even like the environments environments themselves, mm. although you're going through discrete levels, they often like double back in each other. Right. And you've got like this Metroidvania style um, element that's kind of completely absent in two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was fascinating going back to that first one to just realize kind of like how fully fleshed out it was mm. and how demanding it was and how satisfying it was to get over that. I will say that all of these games, man, like they still play <laughs> so impeccable today. It's oh, like dude, they, they were always they've not missed a beat, man. No, they were always the thing is Ninja Gaiden's funny because I go back to 
that every like half a year where I'm just like, because it's so pristine yeah. and it's so meticulous. And it is that one that got away. I've never finished it, but I got so far through it. Um, I need to talk to you about like level by level stuff, not necessarily here, but I want to know how far off the end I was. Because um, I always felt like it was like, I always felt like I was getting there uh, meaningfully and then I just like, couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, those games, I go back to them over and over again because I just love the feel of them. Like, especially at the beginning, um, or just well, any of those combat um, scenarios where you're just in a room with a bunch of dudes yeah. and everything just connects like beautifully and like the the way the sword like like blurs the air as it cuts through and I was like everything just looks so cool yes and I was like I want to be because I always loved um, Hayabusa in Dead or Alive he was always my favorite character anyway so I'd always like love the idea of like spinning him off I know he started I, that's that's so wrong he was in a 2D <laughs> game and then he was in Dead or Alive and yes. then he got his Ninja Gaiden remixed up but you know what I mean um, I always loved that stuff and so um, I always wanted to play I wanted to have that sort of power fantasy side of him a little bit more than the games want to give you because it's more about like it, you know like you said getting everything right or being pummeled into the ground whereas DMC is you're going to juggle a guy in the air with some bullets and then you're going to jump up and air dash and slam a guy down and then turn upside down in midair <laughs> and shoot him some more on the ground before you land and whatever. Um, and, like, you know, there's a taunt button and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What I will say is mm. this is why I'm pushing so hard for you to go back to Ninja Gaiden 2 because Ninja Gaiden 2 mm. is exactly what you just mentioned there with a kind of added difficulty level. You know, okay. it's still hard, but it's not hard in the same way the first one was. Right. And the spectacle of it, the spectacle of like Ninja Gaiden 2 <laughs> is still unparalleled to this day. It is ridiculous in how much they cram into that game, how okay. many enemies they have on screen at once uh -huh. and how much blood and gore is happening. Like it just goes nuts. It, like, from <laughs> the, the level one, it just goes ridiculous. It's like, okay, we're going to push this as far as we go. Uh -huh. We're going to go to Venice and start fighting werewolves. We're going to fight like these alien the kind stuff. of pink monsters that are coming down and you're going to be just having heads popping off all over the place. You know, the werewolves are going to be picking up the carcasses of their fallen brothers, which have no arms and legs. And they're going to throw it at you from across the way. It's just, everything's popping off all at once. But what I appreciate about it is that unlike a lot of games today, there's like not loads of visual noise. Like there's a lot mm. going on, but it's so clear in how it communicates what's happening in any given environment mm. to you that it almost it like if, even though there's like so much blood it feels clean right. and that's what i miss about so many spectacle fighters today where you have all of these extra systems you've got like maybe numbers popping off mm. you've got a maybe a party to take care of you've got like equipment and all of that stuff whereas this is like spectacle fighting to me virtually purified and distilled down to its purest form we, and it just goes. We've switched, well, I don't necessarily switched positions, but we did a chatty face a little while ago. I forget what it was on, but I talked about this. I was like, yes. where is style gone in video games? Yes. And I feel like that's what this whole, like one of the, the sort of core parts of this conversation is games that would really make you feel cool. Like, I feel like that's like a whole thing that kind of came out of like the Matrix in the 2000s and, and bullet time and slow motion and wall running and whatever. And that's so rare. Like, I feel like it's so rare. And I just, it's not that I don't feel empowered when I'm playing certain games, but I just feel like like that, that ability to sort of take on a whole bunch of goons and do it in a really cool way and combo stuff together. Um, it's why I really loved um, the Midnight Fight Express demo that came out later this year. And you might be more into that now that you've played something. I mean, it's not necessarily a spectacle fighter, but you are one dude taking on a whole bunch of goons in cool, stylish ways and slamming them off the, the wall or whatever uh, while you do it. And I just, like I said, I miss that general ethos, that game design ethos in um, across the industry where, like you said, so much is focused on visualizing the stuff that you could argue could just stay hidden. Like, like it almost removes the magic of it. It makes everything a spreadsheet, um, which is Definitely, like, a, yeah. I have a whole thing about like um, Benji Richardson, when he used to be here, we would talk about how modern games remove the magic of gaming by visualizing all the stuff that you just don't need to see. 
Um, and I feel like that's the whole thing. It's like, I don't want to know that this weapon does plus 2% damage. If you gave me that on a PS1 game, I would just pick it up and use it. Yeah. Like, it's just that whole thing. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's one of the things that, as far as I know, there's not really been, I guess Darksiders too, um, there's not really been many spectacle fighters with numbers, let's say. Yeah. Um, the nearest thing, and we can kind of transition into this, is games taking on spectacle fighter um, tenets as, like, it's almost how stealth games aren't hardly ever a defined stealth game now, like Plague Tale's coming out. But even the newest Plague Tale has more to it in regards to combat and stuff. But a lot of games have stealth elements. It's like loads of games have spectacle fighter elements, but you hardly get... Well, I think you get quite a lot of Spectacle Fighter games, <laughs> but you're going to say that they're hybrids because they blend, they bring in RPG mechanics or whatever, like Final Fantasy VII Absolutely, or yeah. uh, Scarlet Nexus. Yeah, totally. I don't think a game can just be one genre anymore, mm. almost. Like, you have to have all of these extra systems. And while I think that God of War 2018 is one of the best games of all time, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely incredible, even that kind of went away from its Spectacle Fighter roots. It totally. was like, right, we need an RPG system. We need to change combat in this way. Mm. We can't just have it be like it was before and then add a story on top, we need to kind of ground it more, quote unquote. It needs to be maybe a little bit slower. And when I've been going through like Ninja Gaiden, I've been watching uh, the the video essays on the series by the gaming Brit, which were really good. And they pointed out, you know, like the differences between, uh, you know, the previous God of War games and the new one and kind of how the combat is made more approachable, Mm -hmm. I would say, and certainly more... more soulsy. Yeah, like more... Like in terms of control scheme and everything. Totally. Like more familiar, kind of like less demanding Mm. Uh, while still retaining the spectacle. And I think spectacle fighters today kind of just have extra stuff on top. Yep. And it's that extra stuff that I don't necessarily love. I love mm. the purity of just being able to go with it. Like you were saying, you know, talking to Benjamin about like, I don't need to see the numbers popping off. Like I don't need to know exactly how much damage every <laughs> weapon does. I don't need even the levels to be like massive and, and like expansive and be full of secrets. Mm. I would rather have tighter level design that doesn't outstay its welcome. In that well, regard. that's kind of the thing. Like, if, if Neon White is proving anything, and obviously the game's popularity is, is increasing, and a lot of people are talking about it, it's the very, very focused design, the complete antithesis of the open world loot thing. You'll play this for 500 hours. It's like, if you just drill all that down and go like, no, like, focus in on a set of mechanics that are enjoyable and design a set of systems around that, that is still how to make a good video game. Like, that yes. never went away. Um, and I feel like people like us have been screaming that to various um, publishers for so long. Um, and yeah, there's nothing wrong with just designing. Like, uh, I mean, that's that's why I cited Midnight Fire Express. That's why that game is so appealing because it's so focused. And it's why I love the likes of Hotline Miami. I know we're getting away from Spectacle Fighters, no, but in terms yeah. of focused combat systems, that's what I love. Like, I love responsiveness. It's why I prefer... Um, PvP of a battle royale. It's like I don't mind battle royale, but if I start engaging with a player, give me that. I want to engage. Like I don't want to run around for ages, um, unless the aim of the game is running around, like gone home or something. So it's. I think it's an interesting thing. And like I was brought up on this stuff. Like Devil May Cry is one of my earliest PlayStation Two memories. I got that with my PlayStation Two. I think. Um, with Jack and Daxter as well. Um, no, that would have been a year after. We did this in Chatty Face because my brain was like, th- that was the same Christmas. Yes. And then it was like, Scott, no, there was a year between then. <laughs> and I was like, I must have just had a year of Fantavision and Ridge Racer and Tech and Tag. Um, because, yeah, but DMC made us such a mark. And I feel like that genre now, um, like I said, gets adapted to other things. And you do have Devil May Cry 5 and everything. And Bayonetta 3 is out uh, maybe later this year. Yeah, we might actually see some of that at Nintendo's thing because it's might. platinum. Um, but yeah, I think that Spectacle Fighters, for me, have never been better. I don't, I like the fact that they're part of a bigger genre, although I do know what you mean about something yeah. more focused. Um, but for me, having like been part of my blood for 20 years, I like the evolution of them. 
Right. And so I love the likes of Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I w- I'm adoring seeing that Final Fantasy XVI is going to have that combat again, and that Final Fantasy Crisis Core's remake is even more like um, Seven Remake. It's... I don't know where I fall in it because I do like a lot of the games that you've just reeled mm. off. Like I really loved the Final Fantasy VII remake and what they did with the combat and how mm-hmm. they weaved into the story and the exploration and whatnot. One of my favorite games is Nier Automata, which mm. obviously takes the platinum style spectacle fighting and throws it in this open world RPG. That's really good. It's just that I would like those alongside some kind of back-to-basics games. And yeah, there are a few mm. that come out occasionally. Like you said, Devil May Cry 5, we've got Bayonetta and stuff. Mm-hmm. There, isn't, there aren't as many as I, would, as I would prefer. Like, I love what Team Ninja is doing these days, but I would like to see them return to something as simplistic as Ninja Gaiden. You know, for me, Neo is a great series, but that yeah. suffers from a lot of the same issues that you were talking about there. You know, the second game, especially for me, which is way too long, way yep. too overstuffed. Like that game is, you know, tens upon tens upon tens of hours. And if they made it a tighter 20, even 30 hour experience by cutting off some of the fat and making it more focused, I think that could be like one of the best action games of the past five years. Mm. And otherwise I can only call it a really good one, a really great one if you uh, in there for the long haul. It's mm. just, yeah, I, I sometimes I think it's a lack of confidence in just well, I mean, being able to say this is this thing go with it. it has to be this thing this thing this thing and this thing that's why I hope that the likes of Neon White like sort of show devs that you can't have those smaller bite-sized things it's quite interesting watching um, Obsidian flex themselves a bit more um, because they are since being acquired by Xbox I'm going to forget all the names of they've done about three games since being acquired uh, Weird West is one of them and they had a couple of others that they've been showing and I just want more of that give me like you know, like, like I keep saying I would love it if Rockstar did this just take a smaller pool of money and allocate it to a smaller game and you'll get something special out of it it doesn't need to be like i saw like another headline about gta 6 oh gta 6 is well underway i was like i don't care i don't care i would care so much more about what dan house is writing next i don't care about gta anymore um and i want those smaller focused it's almost arcadey approaches to video games where the mechanics matter first um, and you do all the bells and whistles afterwards um and yeah i think that the, the likes of the spectacle fighter and especially what it represents as a genre is you must engage with this set of systems and perfect them to get through and especially when it comes to getting the high scores and everything i think it's a good reminder of um like some of the most fun focused fun that you can have in games yeah. which is why i was always like recommending them to you I was, that's one of my that's why it's one of my favorite genres um and so yeah i guess i'm curious what the likes of final fantasy 16 will do with it but when i saw final fantasy 7 remake doing it i was like oh my god they've got devil may cry combat like that's mm-hmm. how i always refer to it um and so it's always like a thing of what can you do with it going forward because have you actually have you played bayonetta because that was the one of these big pillars that I couldn't get away with. No, I have not. I have right. yet to play any of those games, but I was eyeing them up. Maybe you to should. Go to next. You should give them a shot. I think just just for the sake of a reference point, for me they are too messy. Like you said, one of the things you like the most about Gaiden is the fact that you can read the levels and read what's coming at you, um, and go from there. And Bayonetta's whole thing is just for me at least was just like. <laughs> well, uh, Marco Mode would call fruitcaking the screen. Interesting. Um, and just sort of covering everything in a, a cluster fruitcake and just making the whole screen full of all sorts of elements and visual elements and enemies and uh, burst attacks and whatever else. And it's not that it's impossible to read, yeah. but I just didn't get that much fun out of it. I wasn't like, I'm doing all this stuff. I can see these cool kicks and spins and flips that I'm doing. I'm just in there somewhere doing this. Um, and then Bayonetta 2 doubled down on the, um, it's called like witch time or umbral time, um, where you press L at the right time and you dodge. It puts you in super slow-mo and 
then you can do damage as a counter. Right. And they, for me, that whole game just became push L the game. Um, where I just was, I want to do all the cool stuff, but I have to do it in this little window. And you can play more uh, evasive heavy, but you were taking so much damage that I was just like, oh, I want you to do the umbral stuff. Yeah. And it put me out of it. So I think there is a balance to this stuff. Um, 100%. For me, it's DMC. And I think that's kind of like the other end of uh, the spectrum, right? Mm. Like it's it's like the, the criticism wasn't entirely invalid from those who called these games too simplistic and too repetitive mm-hmm. because like you were saying there, you know, there are some games where it does get, you know, a little bit old and you, yeah. you, you are just boxed into the same few mechanics and it, it doesn't appear to be that um, much depth. So yeah, there's definitely like balance that needs to be struck and it's going to be interesting. I'm just excited to play similar games like it because mm. all of, I've played like, I was thinking earlier on, I've played, I've completed six games in four weeks, and I'm feeling <laughs> a little burnt out, man. I must, I must admit, because I'm just like <sighs> rinsing through these action-heavy games. Right. Because I just finished uh, Shadow Warrior Three as well, which I'll uh-huh. talk more about on uh, the podcast with Douse. Uh-huh. But it's just like these games that just go, and those are awesome. Yeah. But the thing that separates something like Shadow Warrior and Ninja Gaiden for me is that. Back in the day, yeah. those games had so much money pumped into them. Right. Like the level of polish was ridiculous. And now if you kind of want an experience like it that is straightforward and more simplistic, like we're saying, mm. you kind of have to go to the indie space the or indie space, the yeah. double A space where there are so many great games, but they just inherently, because of resources, mm. don't have the same level of ambition when that or graphic AAA, fidelity. Or graphical like yeah. fidelity. fidelity that uh, you could acquire with like the triple A budgets in the late 2000s. I feel like 2000s. you're slowly becoming me because <laughs> I I think this and then, but I don't, the thing is I know you you just like graphics more than I do. I like do. I just in terms of like a general, like appealing factor in a game. Whereas I don't, I don't care if it play, if it's a bunch of cubes on screen, but it plays well, I'm all over it. Hence Final Fantasy seven. But like, I think that that's an interesting thing because I feel like, like you said, the indie space is, is the place to go. And for me, the indie space is only um, starting to replicate um, the two 2000s gaming scene more and more in terms of the diversity of genres that we saw and the diversity of mechanics and control schemes and everything else. Um, And that's why I love that stuff. It's hard getting a mainstream audience to recognize that. Um, But at the same time, it kind of feels like the way that TV or music would diversify and then it would be like, well, if you're into music or you're into TV, you're not just watching the top 10 or you're not just listening to the charts. You're going to go out there and find more stuff. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's like all these sort of ambitious titles that nail their gameplay and they then can't afford the budget to refine the graphics and that's why they don't catch on more. And so I'm always I'm always that person going like, but the gameplay's so good, it's mm. really worth playing. Um, kind of the same thing with Neon White. I think that, that game's graphics are, it has a very identifiable style. I think it looks really cool, but if you actually broke down the literal level assets, um, there's not that much to it. Right. And so it's one of those things where I think the, the gameplay outweighs the graphics kind of thing. Um, which was always the spectacle fighter genre in itself well, anyway. I, that is true. Again, like this is where we will probably have a slight difference mm. of opinion. You could say this is my this might be the place we wind each other up. <laughs> uh, because for me, whilst the mechanics are obviously, especially when it comes to spectacle fighters and anything related to that genre, mm-hmm. you know, the bread and butter, the thing that you need to nail, what why I prefer Ninja Gaiden to Devil May Cry mm. is the kind of visual excess and the visual spectacle and the variety in the levels and enemies uh, that you get from throwing all that money at it. And that's I, what I also like about them. That's fair. I wouldn't say, I don't think, wouldn't say. Words would just not come out of my face. <laughs> that 
Uh, anything looks better than Ninja Gaiden 5. Devil May Cry 5. No. DMC 5, I think, is the pinnacle of everything you just described. I would disagree, mm. but it does look bloody good. <laughs> it really does. Like, some of the hair in yeah. that game is great. Like, I guess I, that's like, like a raw fidelity thing, as opposed to like totally. biome variety, level variety, because that's where, yeah. for me, that was always where DMC fell down. It's like, now you're in a sewer. Yeah. And now everything's, it's an overgrown tree that's everywhere. 100%. And don't yeah. get me wrong, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of sewers in Devil, in uh, Ninja Gaiden, but Spectacle also, fighters, like everyone. I said, you can fight a lot of werewolves in Venice, and that's awesome as well. <laughs> you can go to hell and fight Satan, and that, is, that again, is cool. Someone should stop that guy. Someone should stop that guy. It's about time. Uh, so, yeah, for me, you know, it is it is the combat that I miss, but I also, what I don't get from the indie space, like I said, is that mm. kind of next-level sense of variety and diversity in the environments. And One of the things that makes me the most excited for the future of this genre, and it's why I'm so psyched about, like I said, the likes of Final Fantasy 16, is the meshing of SSD technology or you know, SSD hardware with the best game designers in the planet, making the fastest, most responsive combat systems on the planet. Like, that's that's what I want to see. And that's why I love DMC5 so much. And like that's like, yeah, I'm, I mean, obviously it's Final Fantasy, it's not going to be a Devil May Cry. But um, that's always like one of the other questions as well, is uh, Ninja Theory put out the, um, I mean, I no, Team Ninja, Team Ninja, every single time, put out the Master Collection. Um, they, that's always a rule in gaming, that if you're putting a remaster out, it's to tease the audience and do something else going forward. Um, do you think they do a, a new Ninja Gaiden and reclaim their throne as the team for this stuff? I would have said so if they hadn't just announced that new game that they're making that I've already forgotten about. I think it's called <laughs> something Three Kingdoms, I want to say. They oh, just announced yeah, yeah, it yeah. at Summer Game Fest. Yep, yep, yep. And with that and with Neo and with the Final Fantasy game they've done, I don't know how they fit it in. And plus, mm. even even during the Ninja Gaiden trilogy, they were moving away from the straightforward spectacle fighter set of mechanics anyway. True. And now they are very much more indebted to the Soulsian formula with Neo mm. and with even Stranger of Paradise well, they're way more Soulsian than Ninja Gaiden. Very true. Then you want, it's called Wolong Fallen Dynasty. I think it's based on, yeah, it's the whole, the Three Kingdoms right. stuff, like sort of Chinese mythology type stuff. And, um, oh, sorry, China. It's a very, it's just like ancient story told across China, but like that whole thing. Um, yeah, maybe that takes them away from, maybe that makes them even less focused on a specific set of mechanics and makes it this grand sweeping Elden Ring type thing. Maybe. Um, which seems to be the direction that like that's potentially going in. Um, overall though, I am very glad that you've played these games. I am very glad that um, you have now found the love, shared the love. It's a beautiful love. I want you to play Ninja Gaiden 2, my friend, because I, I think, think I, will. I think you would really enjoy it. I wish that they ran better on the Switch because I would love to play mm. them on my train. I've had a four, like a cumulatively I've had an 80 minute train ride, 40 minutes to work, 40 minutes back. I can fit a nice little game in there. Yeah. It's perfect for an indie game, which massive shout out to a Leckhead. Phenomenal little game. Lovely little game where your little, your head's a battery, mate. Never heard of this. It's really, really good. And you throw the battery, you throw your head okay. to different parts of the level, 2D little platformer, just like Celeste. Very nice little snappy checkpoints. Is and it better than Never Dead? Uh, yes. It must, in terms of games that let you throw your limbs, yep. it's up there with Stubs. Wow. Don't worry about it. pretty high. Yeah. I think there's only those three games that let you do that, I but it's, so. it's very good. Um, don't know what I was saying, but it would have been something in regards to wrapping this podcast up. Yes. Spectacle Fighters. Yes. Very good. Very good. Should like play it. more. Yes. Should play more. That's we will fine. see. Um, for now, this has been The Wind Up. A massive, massive thank you to all of you for listening. I've been Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. As I finally get this over the finish line, and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.